0: word is it not how's that line go take me to a place where my trust is without borders maybe that's congo maybe it's your next door neighbor maybe it's saying christ you will truly be lord of my life maybe it's putting on your a smile on your face and walking through a different time The key to that song is I trust in my God and my King and His Holy Spirit will empower me for whatever He has for me in these days to come. And I love those words. Let's open our Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Can you believe it? We finally made it all the way to chapter 2. We are one-fourth of the way done. Aren't you excited? Wow, or awake. But before we do that... I want to follow up on what Sydney shared about those eight ladies that came to know Jesus Christ yesterday, or those eight people. I don't think it was all ladies, sorry. Not only did they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but as Pastor Harris and the, the other people that were part of the Saturday church gathering were talking they heard about this idea of baptism and much like Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, when they heard what baptism was, the idea of publicly proclaiming for all the world to see that I am in Christ, I am a new creation, the old has gone. They said, well, why can't we get baptized? Yet for some of us in the church today, we're like, I don't really need to get baptized and I'll do it later or something. These eight people said... I am his and he is mine, and I want the world to know that, so we want to get baptized. So all the workbooks we had printed for today, we gave away yesterday. So we'll redo them. We've already done that. But isn't that amazing? When Christ is at work, when the Holy Spirit moves, people can obey and say, here I am. And we celebrate with them and we can't wait to baptize those people along with those that go through the class over the next couple weeks. So here's my saying to the rest of us, if you've never been baptized and you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, why not take the step and let the world know that you are his and he is yours and do it publicly. It's a joy and it's a command. And so why not? And I want to invite you into that today, okay? Another thing that we are called to do as a church is to raise up elders. Uh, we call them under shepherds at our church, but I often use the term interchangeably because I can't keep it straight in my head, and it depends on who I'm talking to. And over the past few months, we've been working with one uh, young man in particular. Uh, he, he says he's not young but he has gone through what we call the testing process the bible is very clear that if a man is willing to be an elder he must be tested by the church body and the elders the under shepherds have come along there was a a pretty detailed theological questionnaire that they go out that shares their testimony who they are in christ how they've grown what they believe and are they in line with our statement of faith which we believe is completely in line with god's word And over that time, Matthew has just been exemplary. And so uh, I want to have Matthew and Winnie and Charissa stand up. I'd like you all to see this wonderful family. And I'll tell you why I'm having them all stand up in a minute. But this is Matthew Wong, his daughter Charissa, and his lovely wife, Winnie. They have been a part of our church for, oh, at least 20 years. Not Charissa, because you're not that old, Charissa. But they have been part of our church family for a long time. Matthew met Melissa and Izzy and I at the airport 10 years ago. And we've been working together. He was a youth leader of ours and still helps out with Awana. Has been involved faithfully in the church ministry for years. And over that, we've seen him being tested theologically he is strongly rooted in God's Word he is committed to serving using the gifts God has given him and so what we do as a church is we the elders examine him we prayerfully consider his appointment and then we have a decree that we invite the church for comment is to whether you know something that we may not, because being an elder is a high and holy calling. It is commensurate with being a pastor. How our church is structured is we are a plurality of elders. Therefore, uh, I, your lead pastor, am the chief among equals. Your, your other elders, Keith Kendig, who's not with us today, uh, King Yu, uh, Mark Glidden, uh, Elder Chung, uh, also not with us this morning, serve faithfully. We meet every Wednesday night for prayer and for prayer for you, uh, as well as considering where we grow, are going as a church, how we can grow and continue to be faithful in our shepherding role. And we believe Matthew is, is the man to come alongside and work with us in that role. And so what we do then is we invite comment from the church, but we are very specific in what that is. If you don't like the color of Matt's shirt, I don't care. (laughs) I really don't. But... We take the calling seriously. And if you know of something, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, according to Titus, or according to what Peter has written about the qualifications of elders, if you wonder what they are, they're listed in your bulletin so you can know where to look. And you know something, please share it with me. Share it with King. Would you raise your hand Uh, with uh, Mark? Mark's in the back. Let us know, but do it out of respect and out of love, or else you won't have listened to the rest of the sermon today. Uh, Because that's where we're going with that But the flip side of that That's that part You have a responsibility So for the next two weeks We leave Matthew before you And saying Do you know something we don't The other side of it is Please take every effort to affirm him And encourage him And if you've seen God at work in his life Let him and let us know that So that in two weeks We can welcome him as an elder and, And ordain him as an elder Commissioning him together as a church family You with me? Okay, so I'm going to pray. Matt, Winnie, Teresa, thank you very much. You can have a seat. And we are excited about how God has worked in your life and continues to. But do pray for them. Pray that God would make it abundantly clear if this is where he's leading us. We feel he is as a, a team of elders. We have no question, no reservation of that as we present him to you. And we also believe it's great for us to be able to show you what we believe God's word teaches us about raising up leaders in the church. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Let's open our heart and our minds to his word today. And I love what this says. Oops. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Aren't you all excited about what we're going to talk about on this one? If this doesn't uh, apply to all of us, I don't think you heard what we just said. This cuts to the heart of following Jesus together as the family of God, as brothers and sisters, saints in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, these are heavy words. They've been heavy on my heart all week, uh, all month, uh, and for quite some time. And I pray that as we open the scriptures today for just a few minutes, that our focus would be on you and on what you have for us. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would so indwell us this morning, that you would transform us by the renewing of our mind and the softening of our hearts, that we would be full of your power and be able to go out considering others better than ourselves because of what you have done for us, because of your grace, the good news of Jesus Christ, and that our hope and our confidence is in you. And so, Lord, as we think of that, we think of Matthew Wong and Winnie and Charissa as they prepare to be uh, for Matthew to be an under shepherd at AIC. Would you bless them? Would you strengthen them? And would you affirm the calling upon their life and upon our church for such a time as this? And now, Lord, we pray that you would soften our hearts and make us like-minded in you. For this, we pray. Amen. Well, it's an amazing thing when you consider that all the different types of people we have in this room that somehow we can often get along, right? Sometimes we don't. I get that. We'll deal with that as we go on. But uh, you you know I, I like my history, and you know particularly I like studying Abraham Lincoln, uh, one of my favorite biographies of all time is a book called Team of Rivals, and it is insanely thick and tedious at times, but it goes through the life of Abraham Lincoln. One of the things people don't know about Abe, do I, does anybody know his nickname? Honest. Honest Abe, a Canadian knew that, nice. Nice. But not everybody does outside of America. And I grew up thinking this is normal, but then I preach here and I realize that you didn't grow up hearing all about Honest Abe, who once borrowed a book from a library, forgot to return it, and then took it back years later or something. So the story goes, hence Honesty. Not only was Abe honest, he was a gifted leader. He was a gifted communicator. He was a man that was known to pray and seek God in dark times, hopefully in good times as well. He was very resolute, full of perseverance. And here's the thing we don't often know about Honest Abe. He was gutsy. He saw a vision of a United States of America that needed to abolish slavery, that needed to fulfill the U.S. Constitution that had been written over 50 years before that, and needed to do so in a way that could preserve the Union, including the southern states that were threatening war when he was elected. And as Honest Abe considered all of this together, he allowed his name to be raised as a candidate to be President of the United States of America, which is a job I don't think anybody should crave personally. It's very difficult, and it was especially at his time in, his time in history. Well, by a series of almost fluke circumstances and the sovereignty of God... Honest Abe was elected to be the newly formed Republican National Party's representative to be elected president. So he went up against the Democratic candidate and he won miraculously, and nobody expected it. In fact, the man had lost more elections than he'd won. Eight times he ran for different office and he lost, yet he still became president of the United States of America. He ran against men like William H. Seward, Uh, He ran against Edward Bates, and I'll tell you a little bit more about them, uh, and Salmon Chase. And each of these three men were well-known all over America. Each of these three men had significant wealth. Abraham Lincoln did not. Each of these men had great levels of education. Abraham Lincoln did not. He had the bare minimum. Each of these men had influence in their specific areas. Lincoln had little. He couldn't even get elected to his own state's Senate, his own state's governing body. He was not an all-star. But when he was voted as president of the United States of America, he looked around the room and saw a vision of a United States of America. And when he had to name his leadership team, he did something very courageous and something very humble. He looked around at all three of the men that had been his most notable opposers and invited them to serve in the most high levels of leadership in the United States of America. William Seward was named to be the Secretary of State, when he accepted the nomination, he secretly co- told his wife and his daughter that he would seek to undermine Lincoln at every term so that when it was term for the re-election, Seward would become president. A few years later, Seward wept openly when his best friend, arguably Will, uh, Abraham Lincoln, was killed. He was so faithful that he was key in helping Lincoln get reelected to a second term. Edward Bates, a legal giant, a man of great influence in the South that opposed slavery, but still felt he could do a better job than Lincoln. So Lincoln went after him. And you know what Lincoln did with him? Didn't say, look at all the things you said about me and all the ways you tried to undermine my ability. No, he made him the attorney general. He made him the one to figure out how to abolish slavery in America. Lincoln chased down another enemy and brought him in and said, we have a same vision. Can we get there together and work this out? Salmon Chase, a man with not only a weird name, but very strong ideals. And from my state of Ohio, William Seward was actually from the town I lived in when I was a little kid. I went to the Seward house all the time. But Sam and P. Chase, his whole family expected him to receive his entitlement of being president of the United States of America. When he was elected, he was angry. He was by far the most antagonistic toward Lincoln. And so what did Lincoln do? Lincoln made him secretary of the treasury because Lincoln said publicly, I know of no one better that understands our economy and its needs right now at the time such as this. Why do I tell you all these things? Because history has shown that Abraham Lincoln was able to stand in the face of severe opposition and lead a country in a way that we say he did it very well. Yet what he did better than anything that he's given credit for is he gathered people around him and he said, let's go there together. You may not like everything about me, You may not agree with how I do things, but I value you. I will defer to you if you make a valid point. And he was known to have lengthy debates over massive issues of international significance. Remember, much of the world's economy was based on America's production of cotton at that time, which was in the slave-owning South. Abraham Lincoln was charged with trying to figure out how to continue that economy while abolishing its workforce. These were heavy times. And Lincoln figured out something that the Apostle Paul invites the church to do. Get along and work together. Now, when you put it in perspective for us today, we may not be facing opposition quite like Abraham Lincoln. Every day of his presidential life, he had a death threat brought against him. That was no secret. People wanted him dead. Now, it is my prayer that whatever situation you find yourselves in today, no one is hoping you die. But even in the church, as I shared with some people yesterday uh, on a few occasions, there have been times when we struggle with this, this idea of being like-minded that the Apostle Paul tells us about. Because the idea of being like-minded is the linchpin of this phrase here. But we've got to put it into perspective. We've got to go back, and we've got to remember what Paul has already said. He has reminded us that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's a, a truth that can be universal for all of us because... If we are a new creation, alive in Christ Jesus, what better relationship is there than bringing glory to him? That's the premise of all of Paul's life. There is nothing better than knowing Jesus Christ. There is nothing better than following his way. And I will say this over and over again because I don't just like Paul's words, the verse that most of us have remembered. I believe it to be true. And I know it's true because every time I try to do it on my own and choose my way over God's way, it fails miserably. It might bring momentary gladness or joy, but in the end, I've dug a hole for myself that is worthless, that I've created a treasure here on earth that has no lasting value. Yet Paul reminds us we are invited to a relationship that spans eternity. We are invited to a life of meaning that goes beyond what you will have for lunch today. I recommend dim sum. Now I've made you hungry. Paul says there's nothing better than knowing Christ forever. You realize we are in this together forever. So look around. You're with your family. We are adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so you look at that person next to you and you think i'm gonna see you in eternity and if you wonder i'm gonna see you in eternity this message is for you so listen with me and see if we can grow together because then right before paul gets us into today's text he says this and this is what we were reminded of last week whatever happens whatever is an inclusive word is it not it doesn't really leave any room for except in this case you're off the hook. So let's take that. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in what? In one spirit, you're standing together. And that's how we finished last week. We were reminded that we are in this together, that you are not alone, that we want to walk together. How sweet it is to know that in times of trouble and in gladness, we can turn to a brother and sister in Christ and pray and share with them. And if you can't, let us help you. Let us introduce you to brothers and sisters that would love to walk through life with you. We can celebrate that Victor is on his way to Congo and be amazed at how God is providing everything from immunizations to timing. And we can say, God is at work. We can celebrate eight ladies that say, Why shouldn't I get baptized? I've given my life to Jesus. I am His. In the same breath, when sadness comes, when conflict comes, because conflict will come, you and I, I know you'll be surprised as I was, but we are not perfect and we will make choices that are not always as holy as they could be thus potentially affecting others in a negative way so how do we handle that and and how can we press on being firm in one spirit seeking to be the body of Christ pure and spotless before God our father well it's pretty simple And it starts with what we've already talked about. Be like-minded. Now, lest you mistake what this means, this does not mean we are to be robotic, okay? We are not all to be exactly the same. There's a, a famous television show made by the BBC, I think it's been around over 40, 50 years, called Doctor Who. Anybody heard of it? Okay, the rest of you, I don't believe you. I think it's hard not to hear of Doctor Who lately. Uh, but anyway, there's, I can't remember what they're called, and you can tell me later. But there's this group of humans that kind of become robotic and just walk around aimlessly like this for one purpose, and that's to eradicate other humans and suck them into their life or whatever. I don't understand how it works but that is not what we are called to in Christ. God made us different on purpose. Did you know that? God made you the way he did fearfully and wonderfully. He made you in his own image. He made you as his child of great value. He did not make you the same as that person you're sitting next to. But, When you became a believer of Jesus Christ and in your heart set him apart as Lord of all of your life, you were invited into the church, capital C, a global fellowship of believers all over the world of which you are now part if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And in so doing, we are called to be like-minded, valuing that which is of importance to God our Father through his son Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit. You with me? So what does it mean to be like-minded, that we should all agree on everything? No, in fact, I believe, as I said uh, before, that conflict and discussion and debate can be healthy in the right context and in the right spirit. What does Paul teach us about being like-minded? Well, he says, make my joy complete. It's a big deal to him that the church be unified. Remember, the church in Philippi was planted from three very uniquely different PERSONALITIES THAT WE KNOW OF, AND WE DON'T KNOW WHO ELSE WAS PART, BUT WE'VE GOT Lydia, A WOMAN OF GREAT WEALTH, A WOMAN, IN ROMAN AND in JEWISH TIMES, WOULDN'T NECESSARILY HAVE BEEN THE FIRST WE'D THINK OF THAT WOULD BE HELPING LEAD A CHURCH, BUT it, SEEMINGLY THE CHURCH MET IN HER HOME, THE FELLOWSHIP MET THERE, AND SHE WAS INFLUENTIAL DRAMATICALLY. THEN, PAUL IS IN PRISON, THE EARTH SHAKES, THE PRISON DOORS OPEN, And he could escape, and instead he stays put and leads the jailer that was in charge of him to Jesus Christ. And that jailer, the Philippian jailer, becomes part of the fellowship. So you've got a woman that's quite successful, an expat. You've got a Philippian jailer that's been a a Roman soldier of some regard. And this is kind of his going out to pasture role. It's an easy role, uh, but still has great reputation in certain circles. And finally, you have a girl that was healed of demon possession and fortune-telling and was brought to a place where she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Vastly different socioeconomic status, vastly different ethnic backgrounds, and vastly different maturity levels. Yet, God brought them together in the planting of a church. And I believe he did it on purpose to show us that even today, we are called to be like-minded. We are called to figure this out, but we don't do it on our own, and we don't do it out of blind obligation. We do it out of joy. Because when we look at the idea of like-mindedness there, it's this idea. We think about the mind. Okay, I am going to will that I like this person, and therefore we're like-minded. No, that's not what Paul meant when he said it. If you look at the the Greek and the context that was going with it, it wasn't just a way of thinking Paul was inviting us to. He was inviting us to a decision of the heart, of the mind, of our will, and of our emotions that change our outlook on life that change how we see the world separately and together in such a way that it changes our attitude. Paul was inviting the church not just to think the same thing, but to live out the good news of Jesus Christ in our emotions, in our thoughts, in our very will, and in our attitude. And so how do we do it? Well, you got to think of what he's telling us. If you have any encouragement from being united with someone, who are we united with? If you go back to verse 1, in case you're wondering, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. You see, I promise you, no matter how hard you try to be like-minded one with another, on your own, you will fail. Let's take me for example. I will fail you. I will not get back to your email or your phone call fast enough and you will be offended by that. I will say something that wasn't gentle enough or wasn't understanding of the situation and therefore you might be offended by me. And I hope genuinely I don't do that. And I don't plan. I don't sit today and think, who can I offend today? But in all reality, in a group this size, we may offend one another, correct? So, how do we handle it? We have to remember that it's not about Mike, it's not about any of us. We are like minded by being united with Christ Jesus. Everything that we teach must be centered on the good news of Jesus Christ. We are in Him, a new creation that has been made and set apart for such a time as this. And if he is our perspective, he helps us see one another through the lens of Jesus. And oh, by the way, verse 5 onward teaches us that Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. So in other words, if we are invited to be like-minded wherever we find ourselves when we're working with other Christian brothers and sisters, we're called to remember first that we are united with Christ. It is He who can bring us together. It is He who can, as the famous saying, why can't we all just get along? Well, we can be comforted by the love of Christ. It is his love that compels us because his love was so sacrificial. He put aside his own comfort and gave himself up for us. He who had no sin became sin for us. He didn't consider equality with God something to grasp, but he made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant. He loved us that much and he invites us to do the same for others. He invites us to see people with that kind of love that is a servant love. And he says, Paul says, Church, get this. Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. And we are called to do that by how we serve and how we love and how we live empowered by the Holy Spirit. I will not be able to do it on my own. But if I know a difficult conversation is coming, you better believe that I'm going to go to the Lord and say, God, help me. And that I am going to rely on Him to bring together what I couldn't bring together on my own. Now, you say, but Mike, you don't understand. In my case, the egos in the room are way too great. I believe you. I've been around enough to know that it can seem miles apart to get people together. In my previous church, uh, we embarked on a multi-million dollar, U.S. dollar building campaign. You want to get rid of a pastor, try to build. That's usually how it goes, sadly. Because when you start to build a new building, there's lots of agendas, lots of ideas, and all of these different things that go into it. And shortly after we embarked on this new project, our senior pastor resigned. And the leadership of building this new project was a void. And by accident, two people were brought in to help keep the ship moving. And over time, we had to figure out what was most important. And I'll never forget, a man named Jeff looked around all of us And he said, we know we need to build something for the glory of God. Do we not? Yeah. Then why are we arguing about the color of a toilet? Or whatever we were arguing. I think it was carpet color, to be honest. But his point was great. In the church, in the body of believers, so often we get focused on what we disagree with and forget that the person we're talking to is made in the image of God. And that if we are united with Christ, we can love them as Christ first loved us. And we can be like-minded, valuing them for who they are. I want to show you a picture of what I believe joyful like-mindedness can look like. I've got to get back there. My iPad's not working. so. But this is a great example because you can see the will, the intellect, the very body, and even the attitude and emotions connect with this group of young men as, as they do something that's seemingly quite simple. See what you think about these guys being like-minded. All right, two minutes. <laughs> It was a talent show, so it's not really loud at the beginning. Let's think for just a second, and let 's take this video. This was done in two thousand and eleven. These guys found out there was a talent show. They had one week to prepare and that 's what they came up with that 's the first of six minutes it 's actually about a six minute video of them doing this. I have no drumming ability i can 't imagine what that takes. You guys can tell me about it later but here 's the thing: I guarantee in, the so- in the, that one week that they practiced this i don 't know how many classes they skipped, so if you 're an educator. That probably happened. But I guarantee there was debate over what they should do and who should be the leader and how it should work and all of those things, right? They're teenage boys, for crying out loud. But they figured it out. They took joy in it. And, and you know, looking at them, they're different. They're not of the same ethnic background. They're not of the same height and stature and probably ability. It seems there is one that is a clear leader, if you watch it a few times as I have. But the point is, when they got together, even in one week, look at the marvel of what humanity can do by being like-minded. They were joyful, they enjoyed it, and other people were brought into it. You should hear their friends erupt when they finish. Now let's put that into Christian terms. If we could figure out how to rely on the Holy Spirit to be united with Christ in love one for another, can you imagine the impact we could make on the world around us? Because he's doing it, not us. Can you imagine Christians looking just like that? committed to going together toward the propagation, the spread of the good news of Jesus Christ through every avenue he makes available to us, whether it be in the Congo, whether it be in mainland China, as some of you are from, whether it be in the Philippines, in America, in Canada, wherever that we walk together being like-minded. How powerful an invitation is that for us? But... It takes discipline and it takes surrender to say, Lord, help me see the world through your eyes today. Because not a moment will go by that you won't be tempted and distracted by everything else. There will be advertisements for things you have no business looking at. There will be meetings where you are invited to practice less than biblical business decisions. There will be people that you just can't stand. And yet, we are called as the church to see the others as Christ saw us through a lens of compassion and gentleness, which Paul says in verse 3 or verse 2. So my question for us today, we're going to continue this study on next Sunday, but my question for us is when we think about the idea of being like-minded, now Paul's writing to the church specifically, I'm not even yet, I will next week, I'm not even yet talking about our interactions with those that don't yet believe, that's slightly different, but the compelling call is to love them all the more, to show them the love of Christ but for us in the church, for us that might work with Christian organizations, we have lots of those in this room, for us that just have been wounded by those in the church in the past, can we look at the fact that we are invited to remember we have been united with Christ, comforted by his love and encouraged by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that you can see me through the very eyes of Jesus Christ, And say, if God can love a punk like Mike, he can love anybody. So as we finish today, we understand that Jesus Christ invites us to take up our cross and follow him. It's pretty simple. We deny ourselves. We say, God, your way is best. And we invite him to help us see the world through his eyes. That means how we see other people. We make every effort to live at peace one with another is what Paul tells us in Romans. We seek to with meekness, with humility, with long-suffering and with patience bear with one another in Christ-like love. Ephesians chapter 4. We are called to encourage one another while it's still called today. We are called to go out of our way to exhort one another in the word of God. We are called to not look upon anyone, including ourselves, more highly than we ought, but to consider them servants and saints of Jesus Christ. The point is we are His, and we are invited to surrender our lives to Him as a living sacrifice and say, God, help me see that person, that organization, that fill-in-the-blank through your eyes. And we can't get off saying that God doesn't understand us because Jesus Christ came to earth as a servant, humbling himself so much that he died on the cross for your sins and mine. And then he said, believe in me. Your sins will be forgiven. They've been washed by my blood. So when you think about those people that have hurt you, my heart aches with you. I don't long that any of us be hurt. When you think about the reality that maybe you've hurt others, my heart aches with you because I know the Holy Spirit is working in you to deal with that. But it's hard to say those three words, I was wrong. My heart aches with you as well, but I pray for you that you will have the joy of the Spirit of the Lord to practice the ministry of reconciliation is what it's called, to be making, made right in another relationship. And the great thing is we're not called to do it on our own. We are called to see the world through Jesus' eyes. He already reconciled us to God through Christ. And then he invites us to do the same and do it together in community as we walk together, sharpening one another as iron sharpens iron. My prayer is simple today. Wherever you find yourself in whatever difficult circumstance, and if, if life is great, all the more seek to be more like-minded, more dependent upon Jesus for everything that we might not get distracted by our comfort and lose sight of him. But if you're struggling, if you are hurt, if you have wounded others, my prayer is today that you would say, Lord, help me see the world through your eyes and how I might serve one another in the love that you first gave me. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. This is not an easy topic, and it doesn't get easier over the next few weeks as we keep looking at Philippians. But God... You've invited us to enjoy life together, being like-minded, where our attitudes are one of just excitement that we get to use our gifts for your glory. But in that, sometimes people have been wounded and hurt. And so, Lord, I cry out to you today that if we have done the wounding, you would give us courage to seek reconciliation, to humble ourselves before man and seek out forgiveness from you and from those others. If we have been wounded, Lord, please give us freedom to let go. Give us freedom to live. They may never say they're sorry, but Lord, help us to show them that we can still love them in spite of their hurtfulness. I don't know what that looks like for those in this room, but God, you do. And so I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would give us freedom from the bondage of bitterness, of resentment, of hurt, of woundedness, and that instead we would be able to say, Behold, I am a new creation. I am in Christ, and there is nothing greater than knowing you. Oh, Lord, may we go out today victorious because you invite us into fellowship with the Spirit, united with Christ, empowered by love. Amen. May I request everyone to please stand as we sing our closing song. Uh, May this be the prayer of our hearts.